Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our Above the Rim series. So this is basically where we talk about three hot takes that Jalen and I have for the upcoming NBA season on December 22nd. So Jalen, what is one hot take that you have for the NBA season? Bro, check the jersey, bro. It is the boy, Trey Young. It is the number 11. And I believe wholeheartedly that the Atlanta Hawks will finish as a top four seed in the Eastern Conference next year. Top four, not, not make the playoffs, not squeaking as the A seed. They're going to bump all the way from number 14 in the East, getting a top six pick in the draft, to flying all the way up to being in the top four. I'm looking at you, Pacers. I'm looking at you, Toronto, who hasn't gotten very good over this past offseason. I'm looking at you, Orlando, and I'm even looking at you, Boston Celtics. You all are on the clock. Philly has gotten better. Brooklyn has gotten better. Miami is coming off a championship run, and Milwaukee is a team that is extremely dangerous. I think that Miami might be the team that ends up sticking around five because coming off of that kind of playoff run that they made, I think they're going to be a team that starts out the year relatively slow. And I think that the Atlanta Hawks are on a completely different side of the spectrum. I think as a team with ice tray and the gang going crazy early on in the year, I think that they're going to be a team that takes the regular season extremely seriously, despite a lot of teams that may be sitting a lot of their veteran guys. This is a young team that can hit the ground running and will set the record straight that they don't want to be a part of the bottom tiers of the Eastern Conference anymore, and they want to be one of the most dangerous teams in the league, starting with that guy in Trey Young and trickling down with guys like Rondo, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who they were able to pick up, as well as a guy in, um, as well as a, a, a multitude of other guys that they got, like Danilo Gallinari, obviously bring up, being able to get a guy like Clint Capella back. They are in a really great position right now. So rather than just going out on a limb and say my squad is going to just make the playoffs, no, man, we're going to be in the top four and catch all of you guys slipping. I don't know how you did, Jalen, but that was the exact same take that I had for my hot takes. So. You know, you know, <laughs> we just here, bro. We're here. After Bogdan's deal fell through with the Kings and they let him walk, the whole Eastern Conference need to be let know that this team is no longer floating at the bottom. I think Atlanta will definitely finish in the top four, but I also think they're going to have a better record than Miami. This team has added a lot of players. Um, including Ayeka Nkongwu from the draft, Skylar Mays in the second round. Um, they also signed Danilo Gallinari, Chris Dunn, Rajon Rondo, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think this team now has become an instant playoff team. I know that Miami's team hasn't changed a lot or hasn't changed much, considering the fact that Jay Crowder 
signed with the Phoenix Suns and Derek Jones Jr. signed with Portland. But they were able to sign Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. These are two very good players and also helping out with the fact that they could always use more defense. Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless are two solid defenders. Avery Bradley can also shoot threes as well. So I think these are two solid additions. I also think that Miami was the fifth best team last year and they made the finals. So I think, you know, things might change this year. But looking at the Atlanta Hawks right now, I say they win 53 games and Miami wins 50. You think that you think that Atlanta will win 53 games? Do you I, understand that 53 games got them second in the East? Uh, got, got Toronto second in the East last year? I think there are going to be three teams that win 60 games. Woo-wee! This man, Ryan, okay, we talking about we talking about outlandish takes. He didn't he didn't lean off the board. Okay. I don't know if I can follow that up too great with saying that three teams are gonna win 60 games this year, but I'm gonna try my best with this one. I believe that in the Western Conference, the number one seed will not, will not be a California-based team. Not the Lakers, not the Clippers, not Golden State. But guess what? Just to to put a cherry on top, I believe that the teams to be on the lookout for for the number one overall seed in the Western Conference this season are the Dallas Mavericks and the Portland Trailblazers. These are two teams that I genuinely believe are going to take the regular season extremely seriously. We have seen the Portland Trailblazers, as you have mentioned on past podcast episodes since we started looking at free agency, that Portland is a team not to be messed with. Getting Robert Covington was huge. Being able to bring in guys like Enos Cantor, bringing him back, being able to bring back um, Nurkic healthy, get guys like Damon CJ back in shape after having an extended um, offseason, then coming back and competing in the bubble, competing their brains off, by the way. Bringing back guys like Carmelo, getting a guy like Rodney Hood back from injury, and the fact that they have a new and improved Gary Trent Jr., who we love on this podcast, by the way, as another guy who can potentially be an uprising young star for this team. I think that this is a team that is not going to sleep. After having an injury-riddled regular season last year, I think they are, going to, uh, they are going to approach the regular season with a vengeance, making them extremely dangerous in this upcoming year. And Dallas, they moved on from Seth Curry, got a guy like Josh Richardson, and they got guys like Josh Green in the draft. They are in a really great position right now to not only get improvements from Luka Doncic, who it's scary to say that he could actually improve after being a guy who was a rookie of the year winner and then potential MVP candidate. Well, guess what? He might just actually be number one in MVP polls right now, which he actually is tied with Giannis Antetokounmpo amongst betting agencies right now as one of the top MVP candidates going into 2021. So I think Dallas or Portland jacks the top spot and all the LA teams are going to have to sit back in the sun a little bit longer in terms of how they're going to set up the seating. I think Portland is the most complete team in the NBA right now. I mentioned with the last episode with the 
uh, NBA draft rankings, Portland did not have to do a lot in order to retain their team, considering that Rodney Hood is coming back from injury. Zach Collins is coming back from injury. Everyone's going to be healthy for the start of the season. And you added Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington. I think your team became instantly better on the defensive side, considering that Robert Covington is one of the best defenders in the league. I think Derrick Jones Jr. could be a solid addition as well to a Portland bench that is already stacked. But I want to talk about the MVP race that you mentioned that Luka Doncic could be the winner of the MVP. The MVP for the 2020-2021 NBA season will be Devin Booker. Whoa! Whoa! give Give me your analysis. I mean, my analysis and my evidence starts with what he did last season and what he did in the bubble. The Phoenix Suns went 8-0 in the bubble, and they missed the playoffs. Devin Booker put on stunning performances, including a buzzer beater over Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Devin Booker has shown that he has the capabilities of winning the MVP. This may be his best chance to do it so far in his career. I know he's only 23 years old, but I believe that he is about to hit his prime if he hasn't hit it already. He has the best chance to also make the playoffs considering you just acquired Chris Paul and your team has gotten significantly better by drafting another great center in Jalen Smith. I mean, the improvement that he showed at Maryland from his freshman year to his sophomore year must be noted. Devin Booker is a phenomenal player and also a great three-point shooter. He has the skills to eventually become the best player in the league. He's improved on his shot selection. He's become a better defender. And he has the clutch gene. Have you seen what he did against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the bubble this past season? And then also you take into account 70 points against the Celtics a couple of years ago. That kind of reminds me of somebody who put up 11 more points, but did it back in 2006 against the Raptors in one Kobe Bryant, who, whose game has been idolized by Devin Booker. And I mean, he's pretty clutch, isn't he? I mean, he does have, kind of have that clutch gene, you know, to be able to hit a shot when needed. Doesn't that kind of remind you of Michael Jordan with some of the key game-winning shots that he's made throughout his career? For example, Game 6 against Utah in 1998, Game 1 against Utah in 1997, in 1991 against the Cavaliers? I think Devin Booker has the potential to not only hit a lot of game-winning shots and possibly score 81 points, but also win the MVP. You know, I don't know about the 81 points thing just because of the fact that he has so many dynamic weapons around him, but I definitely think this might be one of his better chances at MVP. I think the biggest thing about MVP, right, is that you either have to do something historic or you have to be amongst one of the top three teams either in the league or at least in your conference. We're talking about a team that finished 34 and 39 and the three-seeded Nuggets were 46 and 27. 
I genuinely believe that having DeAndre Ayton for the entire season, bringing back Javon Carter, getting a guy in Chris Paul, re-signing Dario Sarge, having a second-year Cameron Johnson, and getting a more improved Mikael Bridges over the course of the last two seasons that he's had, that this is a team throwing in Jay Crowder, by the way. I think this is a team that can easily um, and competitively add 13 wins to their resume and be within the top three to five teams. I mean, even if you don't want to shoot for the stars and pick a team like Denver, who had 46 wins, Houston had 44 wins and was tied with OKC and Utah. Guess who was a part of that OKC team who was tied for tied for with 44 and was in fifth place in the Western conference last year, Chris Paul. I think this is a team that can easily add 10 to 12 wins and be one of the top five teams in the Western Conference. And that would definitely add to Devin Booker's overall resume in terms of being an MVP candidate. So honestly, I like the take. I think the biggest thing is going to come down to is you mentioning the clutch gene. I think this is a guy who is going to have to show up in really big moments because he's going to be playing some really high profile games now because Phoenix is no longer talking about the rebuild and figuring out who to put around Devin Booker and things of that na- nature. They figured out the formula. They finally got the guard they needed. They, they're going to have DeAndre Ayton for the whole year, hopefully knocking on wood um, outside of injury, of course. And they've improved in a lot of other areas that truly make them dangerous. And I know that eight no stretch in the bubble for the seeding games had to make them feel really good. Um, in terms of Monty Williams coaching up this team going into this year. So I think that this is a team that if they finish in the top four, maybe even the top five, Devin Booker's got to be in your top five as an MVP candidate at the minimum. So honestly, you might be on to something with that one. Definitely might be on to something. And I think that with how talented Devin Booker has become over the past couple of years, I think that, he's going to finally get the chance to prove how good he really is considering that the team around him is equally as good as what they were a couple of years ago. Moving on to the third hot take. Jalen, what do you believe is your third hot take? It's not what I believe. It's what I know, Ryan. That's what makes it so hot, bro. I believe that LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets will lead the league in usage rate as a rookie. Now, to put that in perspective, the top three players in usage rate last season were Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, and Luka Doncic. Antetokounmpo with 37.2, James Harden with 36.5, and Luka Luka Doncic at 38.3. What do all three of these players share in common, you may ask? They all finished top five in MVP voting last year. Am I saying LaMelo Ball is going to be an MVP candidate? I don't know. That's up for you to decide. I'm not sure. But is he a guy that could potentially lead the league in usage rate as a guy that the Charlotte Hornets are going to want to have the ball in his hands, creating for guys like Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, newly, newly added Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, the litany of talent that needs somebody to get the rock in their hands in the spots they need them? 
and create a very exciting and dynamic offensive team that's going to pop off a lot of TV screens simply by seeing the name ball on the back of the jersey. Like I said, it's up to you if you think LaMelo Ball might be an MVP candidate because of it. All I'm saying is the last three guys last year that led the league in uses rate, they were in the mix. I don't think that's a bad hot take. I think LaMelo is going to be one of the best players for Charlotte. I think he could be one of the best players in the league one day. There's also a chance that he wins rookie of the year. I just think there's a lot of things that he could do. And I think the potential for a guy like LaMelo Ball is very high. And I think that he could eventually be one of the best point guards in the league. So I think there is a high ceiling for LaMelo Ball. Speaking of high ceilings, I actually want to talk about a team that has a low ceiling, in my opinion, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I believe Oklahoma City will be one of the worst teams in the league. I think that Oklahoma City had a lot of promise last year, and I wasn't expecting them to be as good as they were, um, especially considering that they were the fifth, the fifth best team in the West. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. They lost Chris Paul. They lost Stephen Adams. They lost Narlins Noel. They lost Dennis Schroeder. And they lost Danilo Gallinari. And they also lost their coach. Um, they hired a new coach. And I don't have a high ceiling for this team, considering that it looks like they're building the franchise around Shea Gilgis Alexander. You acquired a lot of young talent from Phoenix. I'm not sure if Oklahoma City is going to be nearly as good as what they were last year. I say that there's a chance that they compete for a top lottery pick. And I know they have a lot of picks in the future, but I think that there's a chance that they could possibly compete for a top three lottery pick. And I would say they're also finished with the third or fourth worst record in the league. I mean, as a fan of this team, I really kind of hope that you're right in a certain respect, just because of the fact that I think that if they can go after a guy like Cade Cunningham to pair, pair him with a guy in Shea Gillis Alexander, we're talking about one of the most dynamic young backcourts in the entire league. But I think they have a lot more promising pieces than I think you're giving credit to. Darius Baisley was a guy who came on really strong last year. Hamadou Diallo just got a, uh, got a re-up in terms of bringing him back. Um, for um for a couple more years on a short-term contract. Lugans Dort is a guy who literally took over the bubble in terms of his series against the Houston Rockets, despite them falling in that series. I think that Al Horford is going to be a really good mentor to this team in the meantime. And they still have guys like Alexi Pokustevsky, who is definitely going to come over and be crazy. Um, Admiral Schofield is a guy they got from the um, from the Washington Wizards, who I think in this role will be able to produce a bit more rather than being in a limited role on a team that really didn't have any true direction. And Ryan, they got our boy Omir Yurt Seven. You know they're gonna be nice if they have Omir. Come on now, so they're gonna be okay. But in respect to that, I do also believe that you might have a really good point. And as an OKC fan, there's part of me that actually kind of believes that it might be beneficial to us, considering we have three picks in the first round alone, with one of them being our own. So a chance at the first overall pick and a chance at a guy like Cade Cunningham, or dare I even say a guy like Jalen Green at two, who's a guy who's in the G League right now. 
we're in a really good position if we're talking about the Thunder to be able to make a run at some of these young, talented guards and forwards. And, I mean, this is a team that could rebuild quickly and talk about having a great time frame to have a lot of picks in the first round for what is historically being mentioned as one of the deepest drafts in NBA history. So, hey, man, I'll call your take a hot take, but I'll take it. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what is one hot take that you have for the upcoming NBA season? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.